0: Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I have a member of our community on today's episode. Her name is Rose, and she reached out to me and wanted to talk about how narcissism affects children. So we're specifically going to talk about her experience with her narcissistic ex-husband and how that has affected her kids. Welcome, Rose.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here today.
0: We're really grateful that you would take the time to reach out. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. We want to hear as many stories as we can. So as you're listening, if you think, you know, I would want to go on the podcast and share my story, please contact me at anne, A-N-N-E, at btr.org. I want you to come share so that other people can hear your story and also hear your insights and things that you've learned along the way. So to start out, Rose, Before you understood
1: the situation,
0: what was going on in your home and with your kids?
1: To start this story, I probably should have never married him in the first place. Unfortunately, I met him when I was 18, so I really didn't know anything about narcissistic people or boundaries or anything like that. And so he broke up with me a lot of times while we were dating. And I'm not sure why I stayed with him. I think I'm sort of a helping type personality. So I guess I felt like I could fix him or change him so that he treated people with kindness and respect. We dated for five years, then we were married for 18 before I left him. So after we had been married four or five years because he went back to get a second degree in college, he didn't help very much with the kids. He was always angry. It was like walking on eggshells. I never knew when he was gonna blow up. And I really didn't trust him around the children, honestly. I didn't trust his anger issues. And also, he had attention deficit disorder. So if he was watching TV, he wouldn't be watching the children.
0: Ah, yeah. So tell us about when you started recognizing that this was perhaps abuse or that perhaps he was a narcissist. Talk about when you started realizing that there was something really wrong.
1: I started realizing that it wasn't a healthy relationship, probably when the kids were entering kindergarten and I knew that somehow I needed to get out of there and I really wasn't sure how. And I saw the effects of his yelling on the kids. They were afraid of him. They never knew when he was gonna blow up. They were afraid of men. I had no relatives around, so it was really hard for me. I didn't even consider it for a long time. But then one night, he got really, really angry with the kids for breaking something. And when I tried to intervene, he almost threw a screwdriver at me. And that was kind of the breaking point. And so I took my kids, I took some clothes and my photography equipment because I had my own business at the time, found a teaching job, and I left. And we stayed, unfortunately, in the same neighborhood as him because I wanted to keep everything the same for the kids But over the next couple of years, it was quite a struggle for me to be teaching full time and helping my children get the support and the help that they needed because all three of them had issues and probably their biggest issue was self-esteem.
0: Talk about from your point of view, why his behavior affected their self-esteem, the types of things he would do, the types of things the children would experience, and then sort of how they reacted to it and how they internalized
1: it. Well, as a narcissist, he was always right, and he did not listen to anything really that they said. He would call them names and belittle them. If they had a problem, he would just ignore it, or he would just make them feel bad for even having a problem. I remember one time, my middle daughter had lice, and he literally just ripped the comb through her hair. He was so angry at her for having that, trying to get the little nits out of her head, and just ripped out her hair in the process. You just never knew what was going to set him off. And so I think because of that, they all have low self-esteem because they can never win over his trust and they never had his support. My two oldest daughters used to play field hockey and he never wanted them to play on a travel team. And so once we separated, he wouldn't go to their games. He refused to pay for any of that. He still really doesn't go to their games. They just knew that he did not support them. If they got a good grade on a paper. Even now, if they make the honor roll or they're in all honors classes, they don't even tell him because they know he just really doesn't care. That lowered their self-esteem and made him feel not worthy. The other thing he does is he withholds love. So if he gets angry at them, normally every night he says good night to them through a text. So he won't text them good night. He'll just ignore them for a few days or a week. And then it leaves them wondering, well, what did I do wrong? Or why is dad mad at me? Or why is he not communicating and saying he loves me?
0: How have you helped your children?
1: Well, one of the biggest things I did as a teacher, I work in a city school. And so I work with children who have been abused mentally and physically. And I've had some trauma training And one of the biggest things we learned is that when the kids come in, no matter what their age, if they have had a rough night, they might need to talk to somebody or they might need to take a nap or whatever they're dealing with. You as a teacher need to realize, hey, something happened with this child. They might not be up to steam today to do this, that and the other thing. And so if my kids were having an issue with their dad And it was something that had made them cry the whole night before or just out of sorts for whatever reason. I would email their teacher and let them know that, hey, this is happening with their dad. Can you please keep your eye out on them or are they okay? I would ask if they need to talk to somebody like a therapist at school, which my kids really didn't ever want to do that. But it can be helpful. Even in high school, I did that.
0: Oh, yeah. So how old are your kids now? They're 18, 16
1: and 13.
0: Okay. And how often do they see him?
1: Well, they're supposed to see him every other weekend, but the 18-year-old now is off on her own at college. And once they turn 18 in Virginia, where I live, they don't have to have a set schedule. My middle daughter is supposed to go every other weekend, but she hasn't gone in months because she has a job and she makes sure that she's working on those weekends. Now, my son is the golden child. You know, the narcissist usually has a golden child, So I think he is the one that my ex-husband feels closest to. And so he treats him the best. He buys him things. And so he still goes because he's only 13 and he can't drive yet or anything. But my daughter that went to college, she's 18. My ex-husband didn't pay for anything. He didn't pay for anything for the dorm room. He didn't buy any books. He told her he's just not paying for any of it. And he really isn't. So it's kind of like he's just dropped her. He doesn't support her in any way. Which, of course, still affects her Mm self-esteem. Well, because
0: she's not useful to him anymore for whatever reason. What I've seen with narcissist parents is that when they can use the children to make themselves look good, like, oh, I'm going to take the kids to church and everyone at church will think I'm a good dad. Or I can take them to a family party or I can take them to even just the grocery store. Walking up and down the aisle, people might smile at me and tell me, oh, you're a good dad or whatever. Then great, but when they're not actually being useful to their image or feeding their supply in any way, then they're just not interested in them at all,
1: right? It affects the children. I just feel so bad for any child of a narcissistic parent because I see what my kids are going through and they all have anxiety too. All three of them, it's a long road ahead because all three of them are afraid of men and they're all people pleasers because they're just dying for his attention, which really. It makes me sad.
0: So talk about boundaries in this context, both your own boundaries with your ex-husband and if they have helped with your child's situation, and then also maybe some boundaries that you've either helped your children set or attempted to help them set.
1: I did not have boundaries. I am so sad to say that I did not even realize what boundaries were until a couple of years after I left him. I was just kind of in a fog. And after you deal with a narcissist for a while, you just are sort of dead inside. And so I learned about boundaries through podcasts and through readings, and I went to therapy for a little bit. So the boundaries that I set were that I had to not respond to him and try to not let him upset me. But what's happened in my setting of boundaries is that he won't respond to anything, a text, an email, nothing. And so if there's a problem with the children, it has to go through my son, which he puts the kids right in the middle doing that. With my oldest daughter especially, I've helped her set boundaries with him because when he ignores her or tries to manipulate her, we have a very open communication in our family. And so all three of the kids talk to me all the time, and especially about him if they have an issue or a problem. And so I will flat out tell her, look, he's trying to manipulate you. You need to stick to whatever your original plan was, or tell him how you feel. And sometimes he doesn't react, though, or he won't respond to her. He'll just continue to ignore her. But the fact that she knows that those boundaries are in place, I think is going to help her in the long run. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting to me that even
0: when you tell a child, this has nothing to do with you. It still affects them.
1: Oh, yeah. They internalize it, I think. Definitely. Like my no contact boundary
0: that I hold with my ex, I think it does help my children because I think they see that, okay, she won't put up with this and they may think, well, I have to right now, but... There may come a time where I also can choose that I don't want this. We had a really interesting thing happen in a baseball game. He came to the baseball game and then we were walking down the sidewalk and he was there and I was there walking at the same time. That usually doesn't ever happen. Usually he'll leave first or I'll leave first or something. And so my daughter, who's four, was like, Mom, this is my dad. And she was like, Dad, this is my mom. She kind of thought we'd never met before or something. She was like, oh my word, here they both are at the same time in the same place. And to her, this was like, wow, this is the lady I've been telling you about, dad, you know, and vice versa. Mom, this is the guy I've been telling you about that comes to pick me up every other weekend. I said, yes, I know. And until we got home, I said to her, I know him very well. I was married to him for a long time. And I choose now not to talk to him because... Every time I've talked to him, it ends up hurting me. So I'm not going to anymore. She was like, oh, okay. I said, I will never talk to your father (laughs) very directly until he stops lying about what happened. And he takes accountability for what happened. And he cleans up his mess. There will never be a time where we'll get along or where I will talk to him. Because even now, he still lies. Like they come home and tell me stuff he said that is a lie. I'm not going to engage with someone who is lying about me. She was like, huh, okay. But I think that seeing that happen, she witnessed it. She's witnessed it now because he was arrested when she was 11 months old. It's all she knows because she's four now. She's almost five. So it's all she knows. But I think explaining it to her was like, okay. And, you know, I said, when that happens, you'll know. If he does stop lying or whatever, you'll know. I'll talk to him at that point. But it hasn't happened
1: yet. How do you deal with that? Like when my ex-husband actually sends me something, it usually sets me off because either the tone or just whatever he's saying, it's not very nice. When you hear those lies, how do you not get upset about it?
0: I think it's impossible to not get upset about it because that's another abuse episode, right? So that email isn't him abusing you yet again. So the way I do it is that my wonderful father, a long time ago, wrote him an email and said, we will not stand for you abusing our daughter. She's now blocking you on all of her emails, blocking you on the phone. You may not contact her directly ever, ever again. You will now go through me. I know a lot of women can't do that, but that's what happened. So basically he'll write back, I call pseudo nice, but blatant manipulation email, which Oh, what can I do to la la You know, he like acts like he's so nice or whatever, but really he's just trying to manipulate us, which we can see very clearly straight through it. So we do gray rock with him and just write back a very simple one sentence. No, like one. All kinds of problems happen because he didn't write back within 24 hours. So he was like, "What can I do? I think we should meet in person. We could solve this problem." What la la? la, la. And we just wrote back right back within 24 hours. That would have solved all the problem. That was literally the only thing we wrote back, just right back within 24 hours. That was it. So my dad's really good at seeing what the actual issue is. Like, will the kids be picked up at four or whatever? And that's the only thing we respond to. We don't respond to like all the other stuff. Um, But I think that not having to see those emails when they come in, is so good because they never forward them to me. They never tell me what's in them. They only say what the action items are so that I can make a decision about, okay, yeah, that time is okay. So I'm never exposed to that abuse anymore. I think a lot of women beat themselves up for being like, I keep responding, right? I keep feeling like bad and you're going to. There's no way to not feel bad when someone actively is abusing you.
1: Yeah, well, I think part of my problem too is that He did a lot of gaslighting, so something would happen, he would deny it, and I would keep fighting to get him to say, oh, okay, I see your side, yeah, you're right. But, of course, that never happened, and I'm still kind of like that. I want him to acknowledge the truth, and it really drives me crazy. It really upsets me.
0: Yeah, me too. So my solution, instead of saying... Okay, it's driving me crazy that you won't tell the truth. Instead of engaging in that, my patent answer is I will not engage with you at all until you start telling the truth. One thing that is something to think about is if you don't have a third party that can help out with this, you could limit it in some form. Like you could block him on your phone and you could block him on your email and you could block him and all of his family on all social media or whatever. And then maybe you could have one email that's separate. That's not your normal email that you use every day. That you could say, okay, this one I'll check every day at 10 a.m. If, and that's the only way he can contact me or something. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying that's the answer. But just like cut down on the ways that he can abuse you.
1: Right. Well, I could do that if he was actually contacting me. But it's more like the opposite where I need him to pay a bill. And so I will send it to him or email him about it. And he just doesn't respond.
0: Which might be a blessing in disguise. So if you're like, you know what? I'm not ever going to write him about money anymore.
1: Oh, well, if only I had enough money to not have to worry about it.
0: Right. Which perhaps I'm no coach and I probably give you very bad advice right now. So don't listen to me. But one might be, okay, I am going to stop trying to, to get blood out of a turnip. Right? It's just not going to happen. So perhaps I will pray or meditate or manifest the universe or God or whatever can provide for me, right? There is an infinity of resources out there and I am going to stop trying to get it from him who does not want to give it to me, who it's a pain and every time I attempt it, I'm triggered. And I am going to look for it from the infinite loving universe or from God in a way that will actually be a benefit. To me, and won't be traumatic every time. I don't know, but I wonder if you let it go because you can't get it from him. It's not like he is giving it to you. You're just letting go of the hope that he'll give it to you, which may enable you to feel more peace and forgiveness. Not forgiveness in that you trust him or whatever, but forgiveness in that you're not asking for someone to give you something that they're not willing to give you, that they don't want to give you, which is just always going to be a recipe for pain. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm trying that tonight.
0: Like, meditate, pray, because you never know what could happen. And say, what I really need is a promotion, or what I really need is a new job. I don't need him to help me. What I really actually need is for me to be able to do this on my own.
1: Yeah. The problem is, he does pay child support. And I used to have a side photography business. And I didn't do a lot because I just don't have time, but I did do a little so that my kids could pay sports and I could pay for that. But he took me back to court twice to try to lower his child support. Mm. Did he win?
0: Nope. Nope. He didn't win. The cool thing about child support is it's just an automatic deduction, right? Right. So I don't have to deal with him for that. Exactly. So what I do also, now mine pays, which I'm grateful for, but I have to give him receipts and stuff for things like that. I only do it every six months. So I take everything together and I put it all together and then I send it, my dad sends it in one email. So I'm not sending it like pay for this thing and oh, pay for this thing. It's just one big chunk every six months that reduces contact, right? I'm just doing everything I can. Even though my dad is sending it, I'm still reducing contact that way as well. So if you have someone who won't write you back, in some ways, that's great. Except for the funny thing, my guess is that once you let it go and the energy between you, he'll feel it and he'll get all stressed out and he'll start writing you a lot of emails. I'm not sure, but I think narcissists can sense when they can't jerk you around anymore. And it really bugs them. And so they sort of step up their game. Like two weekends ago, I was feeling so good. I sent my kids out. I was focused on what I wanted to do. I was feeling really positive. I wasn't thinking about him at all. And then my kids came home and told me this horrific story of all the lies he told. And I'm part of me is thinking his like energetic self could sense that I was at peace and he wanted to rile me up. And even though I didn't respond to him, I still think that energy is there. So one meditation and prayer and just moving on without him, I think, is what I'm trying to do so that he's not part of my reality anymore and he's not anybody that I really rely on. I'm not quite to that point yet, but I'm working toward it. What do you do for your full-time job? I'm a teacher. Oh, that's great. Yeah unfortunately, with teaching, which I was a teacher before, there's no, oh, you can get a
1: promotion or whatever.
0: But there are different ways to build your career, going into administration or, you know, all kinds of things.
1: Yeah, I could do things on the side. I mean, he has a girlfriend, too, who's very narcissistic as well. And I think she is a big problem. But also, I think she's a lot of the problem that maybe she searches for me or things that I do online And finds it. And then that's how they wind up taking me back to court. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I deleted all of my social media accounts at first, and then I rebuilt them with blocking people.
1: They're all private. I don't know how she finds out.
0: Yeah. It's tough. With your kids, what would you want to do that you either can't do or haven't figured out how to do yet?
1: I would like to bring up all of their self-esteem and let them know that they're worthy. My oldest daughter, especially, just found out she was insulin resistant this past summer, and she's always been worried about her weight. She's not really overweight. She might be at the 90th percentile or whatever for her height, but she doesn't feel good about herself around all the super skinny girls that are out there today, and I Wish that she would feel good about herself and I took her to a nutritionist this summer and I had an appointment with an endocrinologist and the nutritionist was before she turned 18 so he was responsible for a certain amount of her medical bills and it was expensive because his insurance didn't cover it but she had been struggling with this for so long that I knew before she went to college I needed to help her figure out what was going on with her body. He refused to pay for those bills. And how do you think that makes her feel? Once again, he's not supporting her. It lowers her confidence again and just makes her feel like, why doesn't dad support me?
0: Because he's a jerk.
1: Is that what you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't say that to her. I try not to. I just say, I don't know. You know, I wish he would. And my middle daughter, too. She is the most like my ex-husband. So she has a lot of anger. or She did. She's getting better now that she's 16 and everything's kind of evening out I think with her hormones and things but she also has a low self-esteem and so I just, and my son too I just wish that they knew how worthy they were of other people's love and that they didn't have to be people pleasers to have people like them that they should be able to be who they are and you know their friends will come around and figure out they'll find other people that have common interests and Be
0: friends. And I think that's an important concept to teach our children that you cannot, well, you can, you can repeatedly try and get something from somebody that they cannot give you, but it's always going to be painful and it's not going to work. So I heard this motivational speaker say this a long time ago. I have no idea who it was, but she said, two out of 10 people are not going to like you. So never, ever worry about those two people. Because so many people, they spend all their time and energy focused on the two people that don't like them, that they miss out on all the love and happiness and peace they could get from the eight out of the 10 people. So only spend your time and energy there on the eight out of the 10 people that you get along with that you really like. In my specific case, I think it's probably more like six out of 10 people don't like me, which is fine. So I focus on the four people that do and I don't worry about the other six because I'm like, oh, I find peace and happiness here with my tribe. Right. And I'm super grateful for our listeners who apparently like me because they listen. So I'm so thankful and honored that you listen to this podcast. But I have found so much peace there and I think that's good for children to know too like there's always going to be a situation where someone doesn't like you in your case it's your dad sorry like that stinks but let's focus on people who do like you your grandma your you know your friend your neighbor like all these other people are worth your time and energy because they're actually great and we don't have to worry about the people who don't like us. I have no idea what will happen in my situation because my kids are 10, seven, and four. So that hasn't really hit yet, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when they're teenagers. I have no idea. I'm terrified.
1: Yep. That was about the same ages as my kids when I left.
0: Mine were six, three, and 11 months when mine was arrested. I'm grateful that you came out to share your story today because the gist of it is we don't know, right? We're doing the best that we can. You're doing the best that you can. And Is there some magic thing that we could say or do? And the answer is no. We're just doing the best we can with the resources that we have. And hopefully things will continue to get better. And there may be some things, like if you read a book and you're like, oh, this thing really helped," then please come back on. And maybe some of our listeners have some ideas. There is a Lundy Bancroft book that I recommend to everyone. And Lundy Bancroft talks about how to help your kids win they have an abusive dad and that might be a book that you might want to check out, but sometimes there's not the money or there's not a good therapist around or the narcissistic ex goes to the therapist and convinces the therapist that you're the one that's crazy. So it gets a little tricky and it's very complex. Oh,
1: I know. Well, one other thing too, real quick, I have found that some of my friends, husbands or the kids, friends, husbands have been wonderful role models for my kids and also coaches A lot of times I'll let the coaches know if there's been a situation where it's a coach who yells a lot, I'll let them know that that's sort of a trigger and my kids will just shut down if they get yelled at, but it's much better to tell them maybe what they're doing wrong and tell them how they can fix it. But I've had some amazing coaches and some amazing dads step up and kind of take my kids under their wing. So hopefully somebody will do that for you too, besides your own dad, so that your kids can see what. A person who doesn't lie or a person who isn't a narcissist really looks like yes yes i hope so we'll see the world is not perfect
0: we're all just doing the best we can and that's what's hard about it but as i always say i will die eventually and that always makes me feel better (laughs) i don't know if that makes you feel better but for me i'm like oh this cannot go on forever Good. I'm not suicidal people, but it really helps me to know there is a peaceful, happy place on the other side where people like my ex, if they don't change, they're not going to be able to be there because heaven is a place of peace. So I will be protected completely from him and any other person who's trying to harm me in the afterlife. And that makes it a little more, oh, okay, I can do this. We can, we can do this. And Educating our kids about narcissism and about abuse is also a good thing. It's always going to help them. They need to know it's not them.
1: Right. I mean, I don't do that with my kids except for the older two. I've just now started to do that because I feel like they're not really old enough to understand. Like, I don't tell my 13-year-old that kind of thing. Sometimes I just tell him that maybe his dad isn't making a good choice or that's not how we treat people or, you know, a lesson like that. But for the girls, I send them quotes and things from Pinterest or Instagram that I see on narcissism just because it relates to how their dad has treated them. So that can kind of hopefully open their eyes. My biggest worry is that they're going to find a boyfriend that treats them like that. And I definitely don't want that. The cool thing
0: about that, if that happens. There is a silver lining to this, is that they will be just like you and me. If they have a boyfriend who is abusive, they will then learn a lot about themselves. They'll learn a lot about boundaries. They'll even start learning about their dad. So it may be a catalyst to helping them really heal and understand. It's unfortunate. Hopefully they could get a a catalyst to healing in another way, but that it may end up being a catalyst to that. Because that's what it took for me to really understand
1: it. It's what it took for you to really understand it. Right. Well, and it has taken so long to heal. I mean, I thought I was healed right after I left the relationship. I didn't think I was that bad. But over time, after listening to podcasts and, you know, really working on myself and things, I'm still healing from that relationship. And I don't know how long it's going to take. It takes a long time. It's a lot of work. It is. It does work.
0: But again... We will die eventually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that to myself next time something happens that I don't like. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it will help you feel better.
0: Well, thank you. So many other women are having these same questions and going through these same things. So I appreciate your bravery to come and talk about it. And if any of you listening are interested in talking about the issues you're facing, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have it resolved. You don't have to know what to do, but it still helps to know that we're not alone and we're all going through this together. So thanks for coming on today, Rose. You're welcome.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. If you need support trying to figure out what to do or trying to figure out exactly what's going on in your relationship, please check out the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group. If you go to btr.org, click on services and go to daily support group, you can see our daily support group schedule. We have multiple sessions a day in multiple time zones with professional betrayal trauma recovery coaches. So check out the schedule and we'd love to see you in a group session today. Thank you to everyone who has rated the podcast on iTunes or other podcasting apps. I love seeing your comments and really feel supported. and grateful when you comment. So thank you for doing that. I also love to see your comments on our website at btr.org. Love to hear your experience. If you have something to say, please contact us on the website. You can find this episode under podcasts. You can also interact with us on Twitter at Betrayal Trauma, on Instagram at Betrayal Trauma Recovery, and on Facebook at Betrayal Trauma
1: Recovery. And until next week, stay safe out there.